I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. 833-995-G-O-L-D. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome in. I hope all of you are having fantastic Tuesdays wherever you may be across this great country or around the world as... We know many of you are listening all over the place, especially as the holiday season gets closer and closer. Christmas, not very far away. Get that shopping done. 13 days until Christmas Day and then New Year's. Lots coming your way. Lots to be decided. And let's dive right into what's going on. Several different stories out there. Uh, but we got a couple of great guests for you. Andy McCarthy is going to be on with us in the second hour to break down all these legal shenanigans uh, both with Hunter Biden and also with Donald Trump, the expedited case argument in front of the Supreme Court. What in the world's happening? And then a guy that I know many of you are going to be very excited to hear from, Tucker Carlson, is going to be with us in the third hour. Tucker has not done a lot of media since he left his show uh, back in April, if I remember correctly, was when that happened. Uh, so he is going to be on with us in the third hour, so you can go ahead and get geared up for all of that. Three stories that are out there uh, that we're going to be talking about, I think, in some degree of earnest throughout the course of today's show, along with many others. What in the world's going on with the Donald Trump legal proceedings? What's the Supreme Court doing? Is there any way that this trial is going to start on March 4th? And how does it play out both legally and politically? Uh, Chris Sununu is the governor of New Hampshire, reportedly endorsing Nikki Haley as president. You knew that he was not endorsing Trump, but does this set the table for DeSantis to be favored to come in second in Iowa and then Nikki Haley to come in second in New Hampshire? And how do we assess the political calculus there with the next big state that would be up uh, on that uh, on that calendar being South Carolina, 
where Nikki Haley obviously was the former governor, but also a place where Donald Trump is very popular. We will get into that. But, Buck, we begin with the rules not applying if you are the right diversity and inclusion hire. Claudine Gay, who is the Harvard president, has been given basically a full-throated protection from the Harvard board, despite the fact that she has been, it seems quite clearly, caught plagiarizing her Ph.D. Uh, dissertation. And she also was alongside of the MIT president uh, and the Penn president. Penn president, white woman, fired. Is there any doubt, let's just start with this, Buck. Is there any doubt that if a white guy said what Claudine Gay said, the exact same things, and also was accused of the exact same plagiarism, that that man would have lost his job, in your mind, any doubt at all? Zero doubt, and I, I would just note that I think, um, you know, the bigger issue here is obviously calling for the genocide of the Jews doesn't violate Harvard's code of conduct. I think the testimony is worse than the plagiarism. Um, some people could disagree with that, but. Oh, I know. actually think, I actually think I disagree. Really? Yeah. If I were ranking those because the plagiarism is an intentional lie. Say, like, I don't, and this, this may be, I get it. The, I get the, it. It's the plagiarism all kind of, is pretty. I mean, look, it's like you know, she didn't cite. She like paraphrased look, or whatever. All, you know. all of academia to me is is largely BS, right? There was a world out there where I would have enjoyed being a professor on a campus when people were still sane, either of history or law or even creative writing. Like, I think all yeah. three of them. I've taught. I, I think I think changing the rules suddenly, because that's the that's the key. It's not that you can say whatever you want as long as it's not illegal, as we've discussed. It's, oh, my gosh, if you don't use the preferred pronoun. And we can get into how this Harvard president um, yeah. specifically was an enforcer of those double standards before, which is not a surprise at all. But, look, I mean, the, the bottom line here is that if a prominent DEI hire like this got fired for this kind of incompetence, the combination of the two things, it would mean that other prominent DEI hires could be fired for incompetence they weren't hired for their ability in the first place they were hired because dei elevates the characteristics of protected classes being black being female being lgbtq being hispanic being you know you go down this list they elevate that as something that is more important than any other consideration in the hiring process we all know this we understand this and the constitution doesn't actually allow for this as the supreme court finally ruled recently um, judging people based on skin color and discriminating against others. But it's going to take a while for these fights to play out. The system does not want to change. So she is among the unfireable. Yeah. She's unfireable. And this is why I had a bet. I think I even said it on the show with my brother, with one of my brothers. She will not be fired. And it's interesting because the white woman from UPenn doesn't have the same level of protection in academia and in the DEI dominated world so she already had to step down right um now as to which is so we, we know what this is she's unfireable because the moment you allow a prominent dei hire to get booted for not being good at the job you open up the doorway to well you know what about this person here what about that person there no one thinks that person's good at their job maybe we should no no can't do that have to keep and let's talk about elite profession elite you know positions i'm talking about you know, people who are like, uh, you know, working hourly wage jobs at, you know, 
service industry stuff. We're talking about the president of Harvard. She's making, I'm sure, over a million dollars a year. Oh, yeah. She's determined, you know, this is a, a prominent, very visible position. Okay. Interesting you disagree. You think the plagiarism is worse. I saw the plagiarism instances. If she had copied and pasted like whole pages on the yeah. whole thing, I, but the, the whole point is plagiarism is always, unless it's super egregious, it could be in this little bit of a gray area. Um, but students, to be clear, students would be expelled for what she did or students would face sanction for what she did. So I'm not saying what she did is okay. I'm just saying like, I think the plagiarism rules are a little, you know, when have you stolen an idea from somebody? Did they get the idea from somebody else? Like, how do you even really know? So here's where I think it's challenging. I actually agree with the position that the Penn, the MIT, and the Harvard professors or presidents addressed. I and, and look, I understand some of you out there are going to disagree with me. Uh, I think that we should have the most expansive speech policies possible. I don't agree with anybody who's chanting, uh, trying to uh, insist from the river to the sea, uh, the intifada, certainly that these are martyrs or that there should be a genocide against the Jews in the same way that I don't agree with the KKK when they're marching saying, uh, by the way, death to blacks or, or Jews as well, minorities. In the same way that I don't agree with somebody who walks around and says white people are the root of all evil, white men and Western civilization and capitalism must be torn down. I disagree with all those things. I think you should be able to argue them. And so my concern on the way this story has gone, Buck, is they're not going to... My concern is they're not going to acknowledge their hypocrisy and say, oh, you know what? We have been uh, artificially curtailing speech on campus. I think they're going to try to expand the amount of speech that they censor. And so I'm concerned that the reaction to what I think has been a very viral congressional testimony is actually not going to go the way we want, which is everybody gets treated equally and all forms of speech, even abhorrent ones, should be permitted on a college campus, which is what I believe. I think you're more likely to see a further brand of protectionism of all of these coddled students and so I don't know what yeah. the best way to bring that about is. Does that make well, sense? Yeah, I mean, what what Jewish Americans have been shown, and it's interesting, conservative Jews uh, are not surprised by this and, and know this, but yes. what liberal Jews in this country, right, left-wing Jews have found out in this whole process is if non-white minorities decide that you are not protected. You are not a protected You're class You're the bad anymore. guy. That's what they're yeah. stunned by. They're like, we've been, for centuries, for millenniums, we've been discriminated against, but because most of us have a white skin pallor, suddenly none of our history matters at all. We are the white oppressor. Yes. And so and that, that's what has been, been the shot. That's the story. But I'm just going to, you know, there's a few, a few things here. One, again, I think given the it's not just that you know calling for the genocide of anybody is obviously grotesque and calling for the genocide of the jews is is obscene um it's that there was this double standard that was so obvious all along uh andrew sullivan who's a kind of center left writer i would say um you know he's reasonable on some things you know i would disagree with him on others uh he put this out there president gay um has said that in the past fat phobia and and cis heterosexism are, I'm quoting him here, just to be clear, quoting him, not uh, no, no plagiarism here, uh, forms of violence and that using the wrong pronouns constitutes abuse. The same president of Harvard engineered the ouster of a law professor 
Ronald Sullivan because he represented a client yeah. that gay and students did not approve of, Harvey Weinstein. You can get fired as a lawyer at Harvard who is also a professor if you represent someone who goes against the politics of the school, but all of a sudden they become free speech absolutists on calling for the genocide of the Jews. It was the hypocrisy, I think, that was the most stunning part of this. Um, and, and I would just say, look, I don't think any of this is going to change. Uh, I'm going to tell everybody right now. Everyone's like, oh, there's all these lessons. I don't think you're going to see a change in people. You know, right now they're saying, oh, they've lost a billion dollars. That's just committed money. They could recommit that money in six months. Some of these people, I'm just going to tell you this, when it comes time for their kid or their grandkid to get into Harvard, all of a sudden those donations get turned back on. I'm going to let my oldest son pick whatever college he wants, which is what I think most parents should do. You can aid and assist and visit and let, let him make a choice. I got to tell you, though, Buck, I, I'm not that enamored of the, Har- uh, of the Harvard or the, or the Yale or the Ivy League in general anymore. It doesn't feel aspirational to me. It doesn't feel like a way to get the best possible education anymore. Um, and I wonder how many people out there listening right now kind of feel the same way where you and I, when we were growing up, uh, roughly, you know, the eighties, the nineties, the early two thousands, I think there was this aspirational desire. Hey, let's try to go to the best school we can get into. Let's try to get the best possible education. I think a lot of people are looking around now saying, man, they are so, uh, so close minded now at many of these Ivy League institutions. I wonder whether if you have a smart kid, you even want them to aspire to go there. Well, well, there were two, there were two things. One is the elite schools and people will talk about the Ivy League, but obviously, you know, Rice and Stanford and, and, you know, U Michigan and, and U Virginia, University of Virginia. I mean, there's a lot of schools that aren't Ivy League that are also very, very elite based on the testing and, uh, and the standards to get in. Um, but just say the elite tier of schools, which I would say is any school that, you know, takes less than 20% of applicants. I think that's probably a pretty good approximation of what an elite school is these days. And some schools like Yale Law School, I think takes 2.7% of applicants or some, you know, absurd number. Um, it used to be that that was a, a way to open doors for anybody who went to them. And also it was a marker of some level of ability and intelligence. And depending on who you are, both of those things may be entirely untrue. And people are figuring that out. Like if you go to Harvard, maybe it opens doors for you. Maybe it does. It depends. You know, if you're some, if you're a, if you're a, a middle class white kid from the Midwest who just got, you know, just got straight A's or whatever and you worked your way in there. Yeah. You're still going to have to get past the gauntlet of hiring for big law firms in New York or for investment banks or whatever. And there's a ton of DEI pressure and all that stuff. And then on how smart are you? I mean, I'll just tell you, I know this because I had a lot of friends who went to these schools who there are dumbasses who go to these schools of all of all kinds. So well, it doesn't mean anything necessarily. So you have to just figure out who you're actually talking to, who you're dealing with. Well, and especially that's the case when you're starting to delegitimize standardized testing, which theoretically existed to allow a kid from Topeka, Kansas, to be compared to a kid from Westchester. Right. Um, and. Now who knows, right? Like, and and now all it seems to matter is it, it is so interesting on the Claudine Gay front because she both simultaneously got her job because she's a black woman and she can't be fired because she's a black woman. And 
The thing that I actually think is scary. M- must be nice. And all that is yeah. because she's so oppressed. So she's yeah. on, she gets a job that she didn't deserve based on any particular ability that pays her over a million dollars a year from yes. which she is unfireable and has tremendous power and influence. It's really tough. That's tough. And so my question for you, Buck, and this is something I'm sitting around thinking about, when does the bill come due on this? There's a great article about uh, air traffic control, for instance. I was reading where they're trying to be more diverse and inclusive. I don't know about you. I really don't care who people are. What I want the air traffic control to be super, super talented and on the ball. I care nothing at all about anything in their lives other yeah. than their talent. At that, and, and I'll tell you this right now. People who say, well, it's all going to continue until one day there's a horrible accident and 200 people die in a plane crash because somebody who's unqualified was in either a pilot or, you know, and was pushed forward with DEI. No, no. No, no, people who say that misunderstand the nature and the mentality of the DEI system. When that day comes, if that day comes, it will be, how dare you say that DEI played any role in this, you sexist, you racist, you, you know, LGBTQ phobe, whatever it may be. How dare you? They'll just, you know, look at, look what they do with masks. They'll just pretend like we can't see what we see. But I hope that the, the intelligent Quiet minority is starting to recognize how crazy this all is. I hope it. Uh, online identity theft, silent crime. No alarm goes off. No police show up. You find out when you get a call from your bank telling you about a bunch of bogus charges on your credit card. Or worse, they tell you your bank account's empty. This all happens because the cyber hacker's gotten a hold of your info without your knowing. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Your personal info gets exposed so often it can make it easy for a cyber criminal to steal your identity. Protecting your identity can be easy with LifeLock. That's the company we rely on for identity theft protection. LifeLock will detect and alert you to potential identity threats you may not spot on your own. They notify you immediately via text, phone, or email or all of the above, if you do become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. That'll save you time when it's most precious to restore your life to regular order. Easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. Join now. Save 25% off your first year with the promo code CLAY. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or go online to LifeLock.com. Use my name, CLAY, C-L-A-Y, for 25% off. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Chalk up a win for Team Reality. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? 
Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes, and frauds to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from selected past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look, and HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another healthcare provider. That's HealthLock.com. Pure Talk, the cell phone company we both rely on, is further investing in their customers without charging an extra penny. Pure Talk is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. That's right. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless provider has you covered at home and abroad. Pure Talk already puts you on America's most dependable 5G network, but now they're giving you coverage in more than 50 countries, too. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. You keep your phone number and your phone unless you want to get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Up to you. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Okay, Buck, reports are that... Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire, is going to endorse Nikki Haley. We know that Kim Reynolds, you had Kim Reynolds on the show, I think, uh, just a couple weeks ago. I think I was out for that day for whatever reason. But Kim Reynolds, governor of Iowa, has endorsed uh, Ron DeSantis. If you look at the polling, it seems like Ron DeSantis is likely to come in second in Iowa. And if you look at the polling, it now seems like Nikki Haley is likely to come in second in New Hampshire. Again, this is looking out uh, six weeks out, seven weeks out. If that happens, if what is expected to happen happens, that is Trump wins in Iowa and New Hampshire, and two different candidates come in second, isn't that the best thing that could happen for Trump? Because that means we finish January without a clear number two having been established. And then by the time you get into February, this thing feels like it's kind of over. In other words, I'm curious if you would agree with my assessment. In order for Trump to uh, there to be a scenario where Trump loses, to me there has to be a rapidly and clearly established number two candidate that is clearly beyond a doubt number two at worst in both Iowa and New Hampshire in order to make the argument going into February. And then, look, this thing's going to be decided by like March 12th or March 19th at the latest, maybe well before that. But if you have two different candidates come in second place behind Trump, that seems like it's kind of ideal for Trump. Now, the wild card here would obviously be somebody pulls off a big upset. DeSantis were to win Iowa or Nikki Haley were to win New Hampshire. I think that changes things. But if the If the overall landscape looks to be as it is right now, Trump finishes first in both the first two with two different number twos. Isn't this thing kind of over, or do you see it differently? 
I think it is very likely to be over. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't have any uh, quibble with your analysis, unlike say when you talk about salsa like a maniac. But uh, on this <laughs> issue, on politics, so we we agree uh, on politics. We disagree on what to do with a chip. If you only have one thing, you can put a chip in. I'm st- I'm still smarting from your your snide comments about crab dip, sir. I have not forgotten. <laughs> but, but yes, on that's just my way of saying yeah, man. I'm, I, on on the analysis of the numbers here and how this goes, I, I think I think you're uh, you're seeing it. I exactly mean, I, as it I, is. I'll be honest because, with you because you need you 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 need a Trump alternative in the primary. Yes. You as can't soon have as multiple Trump alternatives once the votes are cast because he's at fifty percent. Bottom line, yes. that's where we are. I I really thought if you would have said in you know I, I, April, I, can, May, I, can I just say I'm not saying you need a Trump alternative like we should have one. I'm just saying if you are one of the opponents of Trump in yes. the primary, you have to be number two. I'm not telling people who to vote for. Okay, second part of this: Does any endorsement matter at all? Trump's endorsement when he's not running obviously is very impactful in a Republican primary field. We have seen that. But does anyone's endorsement in 2024 actually carry that much weight? Because I think if you talk to people in Iowa, they would say, Kim Reynolds is the best endorsement you can get. It doesn't seem like that's going to get Ron DeSantis unless he pulls off a big upset across the finish line there. Simultaneously, I think people would say, hey, in New Hampshire, if you could get anybody's endorsement, it would be Sununu, the governor who's very popular there. I don't know that he's going to move the needle at all either. And then everybody focuses on, oh, what's the Manchester Herald newspaper going to do or the Des Moines Gazette or whatever. And yet it seems to me that there's a massive obsession with endorsements and they have almost no impact. Well, it's a little bit like when people start to calculate. They say, well, this candidate has this amount of money and that candidate has that amount of money. And so... You know, if, if, if it's really close, it may make a difference, but there are plenty of times where you have candidates who throw crazy money. I mean, look at how much money Beto O'Rourke raised yes. and spent to try to beat Ted Cruz. You know, he lost, uh, lost both times, or, uh, you know, considerably. Um, was it both times he ran or once? I can't even remember now, but anyway, he lost. He ran um, for governor and he ran governor for governor and Senate. Senate. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of money that, you know, was lit on fire. Um, on the endorsement side of things, I think like a lot of things in politics these days, if it's close, it can be a difference maker. But if you're 40 points or 30 points behind, I don't know. That's tough. Tell Although caucuses this... are weird, as everyone yes. knows, because everyone who works in politics has to like Google this and be like, wait, how does, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I've done this every year. There's been a caucus. Every time there's been a caucus, I'm like, wait, I got to get into this. I kind of understand, but it's weird. It's like buying a diamond ring. You know a little bit about it for a very short period of time, and then immediately, unless you're getting married like eight times, uh, like Larry King back in the day, and then you immediately forget it, hopefully forever, right? Like color, cut, clarity, I can vaguely remember. You just went through this recently. Carrot. Oh, yeah. Carrot matters. Cut, clarity. Now they also have, I was reading a big article, they also have artificial diamond rings, by the way, that cost a fraction of what the real ones do, and people can't even tell them apart. I'm going to tell you guys right now. Big, big, big proponent of the artificial diamonds. They, it's a diamond. Yeah. It's just a diamond that didn't come out of the ground, but it's, it's, it is, bi- uh, not biochemically, but it is, um, structurally, molecularly identical to a diamond. So I'm just yes. putting that out there for all you guys out there. You think, you think it's not a CZ or whatever. It's not, you know, cubic zirconium. It yeah. is a diamond. It is a diamond. It is a diamond. And it costs you half what an actual mine diamond does. 
And it's becoming a big issue uh, out there because uh, I was just reading about it recently. I think it was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal um, talking about how, as a result, women's diamond rings, in case you were already shopping and you're nervous, have gotten a lot bigger recently because, to your point, you can buy a much bigger ring for the price and nobody can tell the difference whether it's, you know, uh, lab manufactured or, uh, or from the ground. Welcome to America, where you can afford now twice the diamond and half the house. That's a good point. That's exactly where we are. So, building on this Chris Sununu endorsement, Buck, tell me how this isn't all a grand, elaborate scheme for Nikki Haley to get the vice presidency. I, I just, I look at this and I say, everybody's going to drop out. Nikki Haley may well be the last person standing. The math does not add up for her ever beating Trump. I don't believe. Head to head. Now she may have a chance in New Hampshire because they have a lot of independents and, uh, and Democrats, but it seems to me that this is all just setting up for Trump to pick Nikki Haley as his VP and this thing's all signed, sealed and delivered by Valentine's Day. Uh, I, I would think in, in, in my mind, um, Nikki Haley in many ways, the best path for her, the most that she could hope for realistically is to be Trump's VP. Now, I know a lot of Trump voters don't want that, but just remember, who was Trump's last VP? Are you excited about that choice? So don't yeah. count out Nikki Haley, right? Um, she would be in a position where the base would become, you know, the Trump MAGA world, I think if she served Trump ably as vice president, would become, you know, more uh, favorable toward her, and it would be very difficult to take the, uh, you know, on-deck spot, if you will, away from her, and it comes up in just a couple of years. It is so we keep forgetting this. All the presidential dynamics about who's running and who wants what, and it's so different when you have a candidate who can only be president for four more years. Yeah, which is true on both sides. Uh, you know, Donald Trump cannot be president for eight more years, and so if you are his vice president, you're in a particularly um, powerful spot because in two years, everyone's going to turn to you and be like, "You're the one." I was going to say you're the guy, you're the gal in Nikki Haley's case. I love politics too, by the way, because I was going to say, you know, Nikki Haley's pretty young. She's 51. Politics is the only place where you can be like 56 or 58 and people are like, you know, he or she, they're pretty young. Yeah, you're because a spring chicken at 55. Yeah, every other profession, you would look at somebody in their 50s, certainly the top half of the 50s. You would never describe them as young. Remember when, um, was it Henry Hyde? Who, uh, confessed to, uh, to cheating, uh, and, and said that cheating at the age of 42 was a youthful indiscretion. And he was like 84 years old or something. So he was describing himself at 42 as, as youthful. Uh, I don't think most people out there think of, you know, like 42 or 43 as youthful unless you're like in your 80s. And then obviously things are different. But oh, the point is Nikki Haley, I believe is 51. She would be 55 and an overwhelming favorite to be picked as the nominee in 2028 if she was the VP. It seems to me she's running for that. A part of me that, a part of this rather that I left out of it, um, was even if Nikki Haley were by some miracle able to win the primary against Trump, I don't know that all the, I don't know the Trump voters come out for Nikki Haley where they have to for her to win the general, right? Whereas if she becomes vice president, yeah, I think there's a better shot down the line. She goes a little more MAGA. She goes to more rallies. She's helpful to Trump. Maybe that people right now, I, I know what a lot of people are thinking. That's crazy. He would never, she, 
it's politics, folks. Yeah. You know, things change very, very quickly. I mean, it was only six months ago that we were getting calls and emails saying that it should be an RFK Jr. Trump ticket. You're not, I remember yeah. this and I was and telling everybody Tucker. he's a Democrat. He's a Democrat. He's a Democrat. I kept saying this over and over again. And now, sure enough, he's running third party. And helping Trump, it looks like, in some of these states, because it just ties to Biden's lack of popularity. By the way, we got Tucker in hour three. I would pick, if I were Trump right now, I would pick Tucker. I, that's who I would pick. So I understand, again, my first pick is take a state where you guarantee yourself. I've said this for months, maybe even a year or more. Trump's not going to do that. If he's not going to do that, I think Tucker would be his best possible option. What do you think? I really do. 800-282-2882. Come back to this. Also, remember, in the next hour, we're going to be diving into the Jack Smith legal Hail Mary, I think you could call it, uh, over the January 6th election 2020 trial in D.C. against Trump. Andy McCarthy is going to break that down with us. Also, we'll talk about some of the Hunter Biden stuff, too. So we've got a lot to get to. But, you know, I was just checking yesterday on my dashboard as a Phoenix Capital Group investor, and things are looking good. They give me updates every month, and I see how I'm doing. You see, I believe in what the Phoenix Capital Group is doing, so I'm not just talking to you about it because I think it's a good idea. I'm talking to you about it as somebody who's an investor. I believe in the Phoenix Capital Group. I think you should check them out. Here's what they do. We're talking corporate bonds here that have been qualified with the SEC and are independently audited. Phoenix Capital Group buys energy royalties, that are previously reserved for institutional investors, but they are now accessible to you, the savvy investor. Phoenix Capital Group is disrupting traditional energy industry activities through their proprietary offerings, yielding, get ready for this, 9 to 13% annual interest for accredited investors. That's right. These are corporate bonds with a 9 to 13% annual interest for those accredited investors. Go check out the Phoenix Capital Group's investment packet today. PHXonair.com is the website you go to. For a private investor meeting, visit PHXonair.com. You can get an appointment with Matt Willer, Managing Director of Capital Markets. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Visit PHXonair.com today. Learn, laugh, and join us on the weekend on our Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back in, everybody. And now we're going to dive into an issue that could determine the presidency. I mean, it could actually have that level of impact on the 2024 election. And to break down the legal realities of it, our friend Andy McCarthy making the time for us. He's at National Review and at Fox News, 20 plus years in the Southern District of New York as a federal prosecutor. Uh, Andy, can you first just lay, first of all, thank you. Welcome. Great to have you as always. Clay's going to hold off on the baseball questions until the end, um, because <laughs> I'm sure there's some sports stuff you guys have to talk about, and I'll drink my coffee. But hey, look, um, the Jets won this week, so I'm good. Oh, there we go. All right, thirty cool. points, second half. You guys were on fire. I'm apparently a Jets fan. I didn't even know it. And Andy, there's big legal move by Jack Smith, the special counsel. Can, can you just before we get into like the political implications where it's going for everybody, what has happened here? Like, why is Jack Smith? trying to accelerate, go to the Supreme Court to handle what question and what do you think about what's going on? So this is one of those weird ones, Buck, where the the timing is as important or maybe even more important than the substance of the question at issue. The question being whether a president has immunity from criminal prosecution 
for actions taken within the ambit of his presidential authority that later a uh, an inferior executive official, namely a prosecutor, decides were criminal. So that's the the question is on immunity from criminal prosecution. The reason this issue is important uh, in a way that other significant pretrial issues in the case are not is that the preference in federal law is that you try the whole criminal case in front of the trial court, and then and only then does it go up on appeal. So what we call interlocutory appeals or, or pretrial uh, appeals, appeals before the judgment, before the verdict, etc., they are frowned on in federal law. The exception is a narrow bunch of issues where the question is whether it's appropriate to have the trial in the first place. One issue I would compare immunity to is like double jeopardy, where the offense is not just convicting somebody a second time for the same offense, it's actually subjecting them to the trial. Uh, immunity is the same kind of issue. Uh, it, the question is, should Trump face trial on these allegations? The reason that's important and the fact that it's appealable is important is because Trump's, Trump's strategy here, as Jack Smith knows, is delay. And the Democrats' strategy, Jack Smith's strategy, uh, is get on with the trial and try to get him convicted before the election, right? So that's the, uh, that's the counter points here. And the problem that Smith has is in federal law, once a, once a case gets appealed from the district court, which is the trial court, then the trial court loses jurisdiction over it until the Court of Appeals acts. And in this case, you could appeal to the Court of Appeals, which would be the District of Columbia circuit, uh, and then on to the Supreme Court. So knowing this, the Obama appointee who has the case, Judge Tanya Chutkin, put immunity on a fast track for briefing and decision, even faster than the other pretrial issues, which are some of them are important, some of them are fairly ordinary. Um, she got them to brief this quick, and then she got a decision done December 1, because she knew Trump would appeal. And Trump did, in fact, appeal to the District of Columbia circuit. What Smith is afraid of is if the circuit court doesn't expedite and takes too much time to decide, and then after, if it rules against Trump, after that happens, Trump then appeals to the Supreme Court, they could lose their scheduled March 4 trial date. And if the trial slips much further past March 4th, then you have this Justice Department that pretends to follow this rule that it tries not to engage in activities that could have an influence over the election. So the later it pushes into the year, the less likely it is that you actually have a trial of this case. And they're desperate to try this case. So he decided to try to cut out the Court of Appeals get to the Supreme Court and get it decided quick. Okay. So, by the way, I should mention as well that as part of Trump's uh, actions to try to delay the court, he could also uh, initially, and this is getting into a little bit of the weeds, Andy, but initially, correct me if I'm wrong, this goes to what's called an en banc hearing, right? Like there's only like correct. three judges on the D.C. Court of Appeals. Then if you don't like that ruling, which I would imagine Trump's probably not going to like, then he can appeal asking the entire D.C. Court of Appeals to hear it, which would be the entire group sits and hears, before he even had to go to the Supreme Court. 
So there's actually yeah, that, another that, level of appell, appellate practice that I would imagine he would take advantage of, right? That's a great point, Clay, and it's not only true, but we've seen it, right? So uh, even though the D.C. Circuit has 11 active judges, seven, Repu- uh, seven Democratic appointees and, and uh, four Republican appointees, um, but somehow General Flynn, uh, in his uh, criminal case in the District of Columbia, managed to pull a favorable panel, and it ruled in his favor and said that the case against him had to be dismissed. So usually these petitions for rehearing on Bonk are pretty routinely denied by the Court of Appeals, but in that case they took it. So you're quite right. That that added like another month or so to the you know, to what it took to decide all that. Okay, so what's going on in your mind with what the Supreme Court is doing here? Because here's tell me what tell me why you think that I I could be mis uh, misanalyzing this. I think the Supreme Court, if they wanted to could say, I looked at their calendar, hey, we're going to have an oral argument on this at the end of April. They then would not release a ruling probably until the very end of June when their term was up. And by the time they did that, I think there would be almost no chance of being able to get this trial started, jury seated, everything else, before we get to the election. To me, that would be a way for the court to basically not really get involved in politics, analyze it, but then they can say, hey, let people decide this trial's not going to happen. So am I missing anything here? What is the Supreme Court doing in your mind? And if you were assessing this right now, what do you think the likelihood is that this case starts on March 4th? It seems highly unlikely to me that March 4th start is going to happen. Well, the reporting at least is that the Supreme Court has indicated it will not, it's not only taking the case, but it will decide it expeditiously. And that is what, uh, <laughs> that's what Smith says he wants. Uh, and I, the reason I, um, sort of put uh, quotes around says or emphasis is, you know, he could lose in the Supreme Court. Yeah. Uh, I and the whole case is that, done then, basically, right? Yeah, exactly. And this is, um, it's an interesting issue. It's never been decided by the Supreme Court. They've ruled that the president has immunity from civil lawsuits. Uh, they've indicated that they would probably come out the opposite way on criminal liability. But as I argued in a, a column over the weekend, um, the, the difference is back in the time when they made that ruling, uh, we had a norm against political prosecutions in this country, which I don't think holds anymore. Right. So. I think that I think Smith is making an error here myself, um, and my advice is worth what he's paying for it, right? But um, I think he'd have been better off because I agree with you that the Supreme Court doesn't want any part of a case that would enmesh it in the politics of 2024 yeah. if it could avoid it. So I think Smith would have been better off getting a decision from the D.C. Circuit, which highly likely would be in his favor and done expeditiously. And I think at that point, what the court would have said is, you know what, we're not we're not going to take the case now because now it would have been Trump appealing, right? I think they would have said we're not going to take the case now, but if you know if there's a trial and Trump gets convicted and he goes through the appeal, we'll consider the whole thing then, including the immunity, and that would get them out of the 2024 box, right? Um, and I also think Smith would have a, a stronger hand if he went up to the Supreme Court with a favorable ruling from the D.C. Circuit in his pocket, which he's not going to have. Um, on the other hand, 
Um, it's interesting to think about what's going on here. The, the, it takes four votes of the nine to accept a case. Now, because Smith is appealing, I imagine that the three progressive judges on the court would probably have been inclined to agree with him and take the case. But I also think there's a lot of people on the court who are not going to like this case at all. Uh, not just the immunity issue, which in this day and age where you have politicized prosecution, I think that may worry them because the rationale for giving a president immunity from civil suit, I don't see any difference from uh, from criminal liability. But the other thing is, I think Trump has always wanted to get this case in front of the Supreme Court because these four charges that Smith has brought, to me, are very extravagant interpretations of law, and some of them fly in the face of, sub- of some Supreme Court authority. I think there's going to be justices on this court that don't like this case um, and see that Smith is trying to expedite it, not for a reason a prosecutor is supposed to act, which would be consistent with the law, but for purely political purposes. You know, a prosecutor is not supposed to worry about who's going to win the election and whether he'll pardon himself and all that. That's not a that's not a law enforcement concern. That's a political concern. So I think there's a, there'll be a number of justices who are offended by this. The trajectory of the jurisprudence, to me, it makes it likely that they deny him immunity, but I don't think it's a sure thing, and I think Smith could very well lose this case. And if that happens, it's game over, right, Andy? Just to be clear, yep. if you're right, I mean, then, then the whole D.C. case goes away. What do you, I mean, look, I know we're asking for a lot here for you to pull out the uh, McCarthy crystal ball. Between now and whenever this thing is, is it's clear how it's all going, how do you think the D.C. case is resolved one way or another. I think he got, I think, uh, the likelihood, this is one, not what I want to happen. And I think there's a good chance it won't happen this way. But if I, you know, gun to my head, absolutely what I think will happen. I think the court decides either five to four or six to three that Trump does not have immunity. They do it expeditiously enough that Chutkin can, uh, Judge Chutkin can have her trial on March 4th. And I'm afraid what happens is, um, after a two to three month trial in DC, which is a hostile jury pool with a hostile judge, uh, Trump gets convicted on at least one of the four counts. And then we're going to be, you guys and I are going to be sitting around scratching our heads wondering, um, does he get sentenced to prison? Because if he gets convicted on one of these counts, it's probably the sentencing guidelines are probably going to call for a sentence of some incarceration. Usually a defendant gets sentenced three months after the jury rules. And the preference in federal law is that a defendant who's convicted and sentenced to a term of imprisonment has to be remanded pending appeal. Um, and the only way that you can get around that is if the judge says, I believe there's some you know, profound error or question in this record uh, that would possibly uh, you know, bode well for, hit for Trump on appeal. District judges who've tried cases don't like to signal to the Court of Appeals uh, that there's a big error in their record. So it'd be so you think they would put him in cuffs if he were convicted and basically put him in prison pending appeal? Yeah, I don't know how that would work, Clay, because we've never had a situation that I know of where you had a Secret Service protectee. So, you know, they could give him home confinement. They could come up with a bunch of... But in the middle of the election, though, because we're talking about this conviction, if it happened, coming down, you know, June or July, right, under this time frame, if they started on March 4th? I'd say May. 
Yeah. Probably late May, early June, right. By the way, can you come back with us for one quick hit? Because we didn't even ask you about Hunter Biden, but I'm curious what you think of the charges that yeah, were brought sure. against Hunter Biden. All right. We'll, we'll get into that in a second. Um, I told you all that this past weekend uh, I was out at the range, and, you know, I'm just trying to get better every time, right? I just think that I want to be as accurate as I can be. I want to be as proficient as I can be with my firearms. And a lot of that comes from range time, but also from home time training. And now how do you do that? Obviously, you can't be shooting guns in my home. The Mantis X system. Mantis X allows you to train at home. It's all electronic, no ammo involved, which also means it's very cost effective. And it lets you do dry fire practice that is data driven. And it's almost like a game that you set up for yourself. You attach the Mantis X system to your firearm like a weapon light. You download the app to your phone and then you just work on drills and courses that you're getting real time feedback uh, as you go through so that your trigger pull, sight alignment, the basics of marksmanship, and proficiency with your firearm are just getting better and better. 90% of people see improvement with the Mantis X in less than half an hour of use. I mean, real improvement. You're like, wow, I'm getting better. So it's a great way to improve your shooting accuracy, which makes going to the range more fun and makes you somebody that is more proficient with your firearms. Go get your Mantis X today. Great gift for yourself or for a loved one this holiday season who has firearms. Mantis X. Go to MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X dot com. You don't know what you don't know, right? But you could on the Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck podcast. Why are people still on the fence about owning gold and silver? I just don't understand. Have we already forgotten about regional bank closures, inflation, global instability, and the potential for serious world conflicts? You can look to precious metals for various reasons. One, having tangible currency on hand as part of your bug-out plan. Two, diversifying your portfolio as a hedge against inflation. And three, historically, gold increases in value over time. You keep yourself informed about global events. You see the increase in conflicts around the globe. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. The people with Oxford Gold Group are real pros. They make owning gold and silver simple and easy to understand. Call Oxford Gold Group right now, and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833-995-GOLD. That's 833-995-GOLD. One more time, 833-995-G-O-L-D. Today, more than ever, we're all looking for ways to save, especially on medical bills. But where do you start? Unless you're a medical bill expert, finding savings can seem impossible. And who has the time? HealthLock is a healthcare technology company that securely connects with your family's insurance and reviews your medical claims as they come in from your healthcare providers. Then, HealthLock's technology flags and alerts you to any errors like overbilling, wrong codes and frauds to help you and your family save. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from selected past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save more than $130 million. Saving on medical bills starts with knowing where to look, and HealthLock makes it easy to find and fix hidden medical bill errors. To save, visit HealthLock.com. Do it today before you see another health care provider. That's healthlock.com. 
Pure Talk, the cell phone company we both rely on, is further investing in their customers without charging an extra penny. Pure Talk is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. That's right. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless provider has you covered at home and abroad. Pure Talk already puts you on America's most dependable 5G network, but now they're giving you coverage in more than 50 countries, too. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. You keep your phone number and your phone unless you want to get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Up to you. Go to puretalk.com slash buck and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash buck, and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can afford to travel this summer. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Joined now by Tucker Carlson, who has got a brand new business that he is launching. I believe it launched yesterday. I'm sure that many of you have already checked it out. Tucker, thanks for coming on the show. Let us know what you got cooking. What's uh, what, what's the new business and how's it going to be set up? Gentlemen, thank you for having me. Uh, well, it's a streaming service, um, and the point I'm not a business person, uh, but I am a free speech person, and the point is to protect speech from advertising boycotts and pressure from corporations. And they, really the only way to do that is to build a subscription service where people you know, pay for some percentage of the content that they watch, and then you're, you're a fortress. There's n- no one can shut you up at that point, and that's a conclusion that I've come to after you know, a lot of years of doing this and having been shut up a few times through advertiser boycotts or corporate pressure, whatever it happens. Um, but I think going particularly into this next 12 months, you know, you're going to need outlets that can't be shut up. You you literally can't make them be quiet and not, you know, you don't have to watch if you don't want. You don't have to listen if you don't want. Uh, but if you do want information that's honest and that's not being controlled or edited by people with interests they're not disclosing, you know, it's really important to have that, especially in an election year. So that's what we're building. Hey, Tucker, it's Buck. Uh, you know, I see that uh, Elon, of course, now that he is for free speech, the, the left has decided that he's like public enemy number one, even though he's <laughs> arguably doing more for, you know, the issue of climate change and uh, clean energy and all this than any other human being in history. They don't care. They hate him because he's for free speech. Is what you're doing really um, enabled or even just made possible because X exists at this point as a place? Because, I mean, I don't even, people ask me, I don't even bother posting really on Facebook or these things anymore. Uh, you know, people can post for me sometimes, but they're not free speech places at all. So is X kind of a critical ingredient in the plan? And how, how does Elon's vision and your vision, how do they intersect? Are you, are you kidding? I mean, yes. And... By the way, I mean, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, I mean, you can reach a big audience with any of these. YouTube, Mr. Beast does. Mr. Beast is the biggest creator on YouTube, and he is because he never crosses any lines. I'm not attacking the guy. He does something very different. But no one with political views that are out of sync with the, you know, 2 3% of the population whose views are imposed on the rest of us, no one could exist on any of those platforms telling the truth, period. So it's not, you're right, it's not even worth it. X is the only big media platform in the world that has free speech. There's only one left. And, um, and that's because of Elon, you know, whatever you think of him. And he was, you know, after my kids was the first person to call me after our show got canceled. 
And, um, you know, he didn't offer me money or to hire me, but he just said, I just, I want you to know that we have this platform. Our commitment to free speech is real and, um, invite you on. And we took him up on it just as anyone else could. We didn't get a special deal. Uh, and I've been grateful for it ever since. I mean, we've made precisely zero money, but, um, I don't really care. You know, I just, there's a lot going on and I, I wanted to, continue to talk about it and to, you know, interview people and go around the world and talk to people saying interesting things and record interesting developments. And I can't stand the idea of being silenced. I don't think any American should stand for that. I mean, it's actually, I mean, I try to work myself into a frenzy, but it's pretty unbelievable that everybody I know in this country, all born here, all Americans by birth committed to staying here, they can't have a conversation. You're afraid to talk to people about controversial, quote, controversial things over your phone because you know it's being monitored or could be. Even with the phone in the room, you know they can use it to listen to you. Who's they? The government. And not just our government, other governments. So the whole thing is like so crazy. It's gotten so North Korean where everybody is afraid to think um, that anything I can do and my staff from Fox, I mean, we brought most of our staff with us. I'm grateful for that, very grateful for that. But um, anything we can do to add, you know, to a conversation that's real, that's not defined by lying, uh, we're going to do. And that's what we're doing. We're talking to Tucker Carlson. I, I know you have already been asked about this, but let me just make my my pitch here. If Trump came to me and he said, Clay, I want you to tell me who I should pick as vice president. My answer is you, uh, and my answer is you because I think you can communicate what Trump is often trying to say and sometimes getting attacked and not being able to be the best defender of his perspective. And that's not a shot at Trump. It's just more of a compliment for you. I think you would be the most effective vice president that he could possibly pick. And I told him this. You heard it. I said it on the radio directly to him. He responded, said he was going to consider you. So if Trump really came to you, Tucker, and if he said, I think that in order to win and run the best version of a campaign in 2024, you are my guy. Are you really telling me you would say, can't do it? Well, I'll just say three things. One, the only reason I'm being asked about it at all is because <laughs> you brought it up. You're welcome. So, You're welcome. I, I, I love way. pointing that out to people, whether, by the way. They're like, what do you think about you. Tucker for VP? Uh, and I'm like, uh, well, we kind of started that whole thing, so I think, you know. But by the way, to, to, before you finish your answer, you can come back to your three-parter here. Melania, to be fair, Axios had a report, which I'm sure you saw, where Melania Trump said it should be Tucker. Now, whether that's true or not, but Trump does listen to his wife, I think, and I said this on the show earlier this week, I think he blamed her for his endorsement of Dr. Oz, which is very funny. So in the event it didn't yes. go well, he might blame her if you were the pick. But how would you respond? Trump says, I need you. You're my guy. We're going to win. Otherwise, I'm concerned nobody else can do what you can do. You would respond how? Well, I would just say first that that only proves that Melania listens to your show. Uh, which is pretty flattering, I think. Um, so second, I would say I, I am in sync with Donald Trump's big ideas. You know, I, I definitely was not in sync with some of his staff choices at all. But the but the ideas that he ran on, you know, have a secure border, a trade policy that helps your own country maybe fight fewer pointless wars. Um, 
right? I mean, it's it's not complicated. That's an extremely moderate, sensible, middle of the road, non-ideological platform. And the only reason that most people don't recognize that is because of the torrents of propaganda that have distorted it. And so I think if you if you say those things slowly, calmly, in a this is your captain speaking voice that people can hear, it is hard to believe that anybody could be opposed to that. Fight fewer pointless wars? Like, what is the point of NATO? Or just, like, we can have discussions about these things, but I think common sense will prevail if we do it in a calm way. That's my personal view. As for my role in that, I mean, I'm, like, pretty happy with what I'm doing. I can't imagine being in politics, honestly. I don't like the people in politics. I like Trump. I think he's hilarious. He's he's fun to be with. He actually cares about the country um, and cares about people. That's real. I've seen it. Uh, but, you know, most people in politics, and particularly the consultant class, I mean, I've spent my whole life around them, covering campaigns and living in Washington. And, like, not one of them's ever been to my house for dinner. You know, I'd like the homeless to my house for dinner. Everyone can come to my house for dinner except political people. They just can't because they're too fake. And I just can't deal with that. So the idea of being around fake people, even for a meal, much less a career, is like horrifying to me. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess I would assess it if that incredibly unlikely thing happened to me and I felt like there was something I could contribute. But and the last thing I'll say is I don't like people who seek power. I don't, and I never have, and I also like. I also also don't like people whose like goal is to become rich. I don't like that either, and I know those are unpopular views, but I mean it, and I'm just going to say it because I don't care anymore. I just don't like. If you want a lot of power over me, you should not have power over me. That's how I feel. And if your goal in life is to have more money than you can spend, then you disgust me. That's called greed. It's like eating more food than you can digest, which is gluttony. It's just gross. And so, though, I mean, those are just not, you know what I mean? Like, if you get rich in the process, that's great. But, and if you get powerful in the process because people, you know, want your leadership, I get it. That's a byproduct, though. That's not a goal. And um, politics draws a lot of people who want to be rich and famous and powerful for the sake of being rich and famous and powerful. And that's just, like, absolutely repugnant to me. Sorry. Well, frankly, Clay, a lot of people are talking probably about Tucker as VP, the best, great VP, really wonderful. We'll talk about it. We can get into some other stuff, too. Here, Clay, By the way, that whole answer, Tucker, just solidified for me why you should be the pick. You, you just you just well, you just yeah. nailed it. Oh, come on. This, Clay, no, Clay is a dog with a bone, yeah, Tucker. You got to know that would have me. Oh man! Uh, you should have heard right, the, You should have heard back. him on the Mike Pence interview. If you don't answer oh. a question for Clay, he never lets it go. So now that was the perfect answer. That's the answer I would want <laughs> Trump's VP to give. Uh, when we come back, uh, Tucker's going to stick with us. We'll close out the show. We'll get him with some more questions. Probably MIT, Harvard, Penn. What happened there? Uh, and uh, where does he th- see things going in 2024 as we progress? In the meantime. Right now, you know, we got a huge uh, lack of testosterone in this country. In fact, 50% lower testosterone right now, which is pretty wild to think about. You have, if you are a guy in our country, then your grandfather and your great-grandfather may well have had. They can't even figure out exactly why testosterone is plummeting, but all you have to do is look at who's in 1600 Pennsylvania right now and all of his male advisors and think to yourself, having the least testosterone-laden White House in our history for all the men that are there is not making us stronger. And if you're out there right now and it's a holiday season and you're looking for more vim, vigor, and vitality, maybe, maybe, I bet you're listening to me right now, I bet there's a lot of you that have holiday obligations this evening and you're already dreading it. You don't want to go to that company Christmas party. You don't want to go uh, to that event socially that you're obligated to go to because you're just tired. 
It's coming up on the end of the year. You've been working hard. How about getting some all-natural testosterone back in your body? That's what the Chalk Male Vitality Stack is all about. Leading ingredient proven in three months' time to increase your natural testosterone by 20%. You lose testosterone as you get older. That's normal. That's one reason why so many men start to feel so much tireder. You can get hooked up today if you go to chalk.com. That's C-H-O-Q.com. Use my name, Clay, C-L-A-Y. You can save 35% off your subscription for life. That's chalk.com. Clay, C-L-A-Y is the promo code. Go check it out today, C-H-O-Q. Put some testosterone back in your life. Heard it on the show? Hear more on the podcast. Clay and Buck Podcast Deep Dives. More content, more common sense. Find the guides on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Clay and Buck. Final segment of the day, and it's a doozy. We've got our friend Tucker Carlson here. He just launched the Tucker Carlson Network. Go sign up. Go subscribe. Uh, Tucker, switching gears here on the topics for a second, um, beyond the possibility of like a VP and Tucker administration of the future. Um, administrations, the <laughs> president of Harvard is not losing her job. I think it's interesting to see who was surprised yeah. by this on the right and who wasn't. Uh, I was not surprised. I'm sure you were not surprised. But what does this tell us, if anything? Well, I mean, it tells you that DEI is a religion. Of course, she's a holy person. And it also tells you that not just Harvard, which is the, you know, obviously the, the pinnacle of our higher education system, but the entire system is a joke. Because the worst thing about gay is not that she's an open bigot, which she is and has always been, but that she's an idiot. I mean, she's a scholar who goes by the term doctor, though she can't take out your appendix, who's never written a book. So I'm a hack journalist. I've written a bunch of books. I wrote them myself because I don't know. I like to read books. So I wrote books. She's a scholar. If you look at her scholarship, she's a professor of African-American studies or something. It's not even a real discipline. And she's produced no real academic work. So, like, in the end, leaving aside the demonstrations and even the question of free speech, higher education is about education. And if the top scholar at university can't even be bothered or is not even capable of writing a single book, you're a joke. And everyone has known that. The, board, the overseers of Harvard have known that. All the people who are paying close attention to the school, which is a lot of people, probably too much attention to the school, have known that. And no one said a word about it. And it's like, how was this allowed to How did you get a dumb person running Harvard? I mean, this Larry Summers, who is a very abrasive, difficult person, who I have a lot of trouble talking to because he's so annoying, at least he's indisputably a scholar. He's smart. Do, do you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. We talked about that earlier. I mean, he got in trouble for saying something that is a fact, which is men tend to be better at math and women tend to be better at yes. verbal related skills. Like that's not an attack upon biology. Yes. That's just a reality. And no. yet you've got this woman who is plagiarizing and is blatantly, uh, you know, not supportive of free speech for anyone that has a different opinion than her. And that leads me into this question, Tucker. Are you, you've been in media for, for most of your adult life. Are you pessimistic or optimistic? Every day of my adult life. (laughs) There you go. Uh, Are you pessimistic or optimistic with the trend lines that you see for media as we begin the 2024 presidential campaign? And I don't just mean over the next 10 months. I mean with what you see on the larger landscape. uh, How would you assess where we are right now, not only as a nation, but also as a world, in terms of freedom of speech and the status of media in general? Well, I mean, this is like not the first media 
earthquake I've seen. I, when I got into the media business over 30 years ago, I was a fact checker. That was my first job. And I literally called people on the phone to check facts. And then I looked them up in a bunch of bound volumes in my office. Okay. The internet existed, but we did not take it seriously when I started. I'd never used a computer, not one time when I started work as a journalist, okay? So now we're at the end of the era that began then, which was the era of, you know, centralized big media outlets. And they're dying, and it's unmistakable. Their death is unmistakable if you take three steps back, and they're being replaced by independent voices who by definition are much harder to control and that's where the balance of the audience is moving streaming is not just like something you do on the side streaming is the media now and so yeah i mean in five years you know will nbc news exist no it won't in its current form it will not exist and none of these places will and so I think that's good news because they couldn't be worse than they are now, for one. And for another, they really are being replaced by, I mean, I was looking up somebody's pod, guy I know in the mainstream media business who now has an independent podcast. I won't name him. I'm sure you know him. And he's like gone off to do this weird thing, whatever he's doing. I looked at the numbers that he's getting on YouTube. They're crazy. He's getting like a million viewers a video. And this is just some random guy who's doing this out of his house. And so, yes. Everything is changing right before us. It's hard to see its outlines because we're in the middle of it. But I think it's a great thing. Great. More people listen to you guys and to Russell Brand and Jimmy Dore and people who, like, I wasn't even that familiar with 10 years ago, if at all, than pay attention to the Today Show. That's real. Tucker, it's a little, little uplifting here at the end of the show, and I guess I'm possibly taking it in the wrong direction, but... What happens if they throw Trump into prison or house arrest or something? We just had Andy McCarthy on. He was talking to us about this possibility, and he thinks it's a very real one. Yeah, I think Andy may be for it, but leaving aside that, um, <laughs> oh, you know, I think oh, he's going chaos. I mean, the, the people, I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I'm just throwing that out there. It seems that way. Um, but, you know, the the same people who lecture us about the democracy are about to short circuit it i mean just keep in mind that the things that trump is being charged for are ridiculous like they're non it's they're, the whole thing is bs okay so the fact they're trying to imprison this guy who is the unequivocal front runner in the presidential race running against a senile man who's wrecked the country i mean the it's the whole thing is grotesque and again we're two in the weeds step back this is crazy town and if they do that then it's just like a shutdown of our historic, you know, 250-year-old democracy. That's that's what we're looking at. And I don't know what the response to that will be. I hope it's very forceful. It needs to be, because if that is allowed, then, you know, all bets are off. The Bill of Rights means nothing. No more elections. Like, how can you have an election after that? You imprison the guy who's going to run the race for bringing documents home when the incumbent president did the same thing? It's, Just it's promise us at the inauguration ball we're close to the alcohol. Who's there for heroes or the families left behind when a service member or first responder dies or is severely injured in the line of duty? Who helps our country's homeless veterans and who helps our nation to never forget 9-11? Let me tell you who. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Homeless Veteran Programs comprise... They're in the line of duty programs. They're all dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America in so many ways. Over 80 runs, walks, and climbs a year, dozens of golf outings, and the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institutes educating kids in K-12 through grades to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 95 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. 
Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. If you've got a military, first responder, emergency medical, or government service background, GovX.com is for you. You stepped up to serve our country and communities, and GovX delivers unbeatable deals that you've earned. GovX.com is the only site built exclusively to honor your service. Members save on epic brands and the gear they need for their on- and off-duty lives. You'll get incredible savings on tickets to live sports events, theme parks, and other entertainment. You can even save on travel, hotels, rental cars, cruises, and more. See if you qualify. Visit GovX.com. It's easy and totally free. Use code BUCK in the shopping cart to get an extra $15 off your first order. GovX, savings for those who serve. Pure Talk, the cell phone service my family relies on, is now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Unlimited talk, text, plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Go to puretalk.com slash clay and make the switch today. That's puretalk.com slash clay and you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. Switch to Pure Talk so you can have more money to travel with this summer.